Well, good morning, church. Everybody all right? How many would rather be here than the best rainstorm in town? Anybody? Yeah. Well, I, um, I think I can proudly claim today that I came the fur- furthest to be in church. I flew in from um, Beijing, China uh, on Friday uh, to be here this weekend, and uh, it is good to be here. I can't wait to tell you a little bit. I can't tell you everything, but I'll tell you some about what we did in China, and uh, we'll do that a little bit next week. In fact, let me, let me talk to you about next week. We're starting a new series. Now, I'm always, I'm a starter. How many of you are starters? How many of you are finishers? You guys are weird. I'm a starter, okay? I'm a starter, and so I always get excited about new things, and I always get excited about new series, and I am so excited about the series we're going to start next week. Um, We're going to call it Deeper. Say Deeper. Deeper. Okay, so yesterday, um, we had a gathering of the family, been away for a few days, you guys know we have a big family, and so um, uh, I did something crazy. I got in the swimming pool with all of my grandkids. Okay, just think about that a little bit. That's kind of gross. It can be, but uh, and that's as far as I'll go there. But anyway, so I had one of them, and they said, "Papa, let's go to the deep end." Well, you got a shallow end and a deep end, and so I, I'm not a very good swimmer. And I went down into the deep end, and there was adventure in the deep end of the pool. And that's all I'm going to say about that. And in our lives, in our lives, have you know there is adventure when you get into the deep end of the pool. There's adventure when you go deeper with the Lord. And so we're going to talk about going in our own personal lives about going deeper with Jesus, going deeper in our relationship with God. And basically we're going to do 4 weeks and we're going to study the book of Colossians which has guess how many chapters? 4. Okay? Here's what I'd like you to do. We're going to go deeper together. Um, next week we're going to do chapter 1. How many of you here and in the campuses and oh, by the way, I forgot to, to welcome you guys. We're glad you're here. How many of you are glad the campuses are along today? Are you glad? All right. Well, um, here's what I, how, how many of you here and in the campuses would say, I will read through the first chapter of Colossians at least once this week before next weekend? Okay? All right? All right? There's about 15 people right here that are going to do that. Actually, there were hands all over the place. All right, now, how many of you would would say, I'll, I'll do it three times. Three times this week, I'll read chapter one. Three times, I'll read chapter one. Now there is about 15 people, okay? Nobody in the balcony at all, okay? <laughs> Nobody anywhere in the balcony. And then some of you, which you guys, man, you're, you really want to go deep. Here's what you're going to do. You're going to say, you know what, I'm going to read the whole book three times this week. Four chapters and read the whole book. This, And then some of you who you're just overachievers, you're going to go online. You're going to Google Colossians. You're going to Google background on Colossians. You're going to study like crazy this week so you can come next week, fold your hands and say, okay, I'm going to critique your message and see how good it is. On Col- Actually, not you're going to be excited about it. And uh, we're going to grow deeper and deeper and deeper in our relationship with God. So I am very excited about this series. Colossians chapter 1, we're going to read it together this week. Actually, another thing we're going to do is on our Facebook, do you guys know about our church Facebook account? There's, I don't know, about 10,000 people that like. If you don't like our church Facebook account, you may not go to heaven, okay? So this week, now that's not true, and we'll deal with heresies like that in week two of the series. 
But on Facebook, what we're going to do is we're going to have a conversation going about what we're learning about Colossians 1 throughout the week and then Colossians 2 and the background and what you've learned and maybe some nuggets like that. So it'll be, it'll, it'll be a great time, fun time, but we start that next week. Now this week, let me tell you what's, what's going on. I'd like to introduce you to some of my friends. And uh, I made a new friend this year uh, and, and uh, uh, really like this guy. Uh, Joshua, my son, went to a conference. Actually, John Piper did the conference at his church in Minnesota. And uh, Joshua met a guy named... Uh, Tope Colioso, and he calls me, he said, Dad, this, this guy's one of us. you got to get to know him. And uh, so Tope uh, told Josh, said, if your dad's ever in Europe, have him come by London. He's got a great church in London. And so I was in Europe just a few months ago training some pastors uh, on church planting, and uh, I went to London. Uh, Tope hosted me. Uh, Joshua was actually with me. Uh, London became one of my new favorite cities, great place. And then I got to preach at his church on the weekend. What a great church. Uh, you know, uh, there, there are just not as many people in Europe that go to church as what do in the United States. And they're in London. They've got a multi-site church with 1,500 people that are attending. It's just so alive and full of the Holy Spirit. And uh, it's, a, it's a, um, not only multi-site, it's multi-ethnic uh, Topia is originally from Nigeria, and now he kind of speaks with this cool kind of Nigerian London kind of a deal. If I could get one of those hip accents, you guys would like me better, and I would seem like I was deeper. And so I'm going to go deeper in Colossians and fake a British accent. But anyway, anyway, uh, what a great guy. What a great church. I was so excited. These services have been incredible this weekend. You're going to love it. Would you give a great big southern welcome to Toby Colioso as he comes and he shares with us. Good morning. Uh, thank you. It's uh, great to be here. And uh, uh, Pastor Greg has uh, uh, just been incredibly helpful uh, to us, very kind to us and uh, helping us. In fact, I'm not here alone. There are three other, others of our pastors and they're visiting and just, we're all just learning together, uh, all that you guys do, because the Lord has so touched this church in an amazing way, and uh, we want some of that. So I feel so blessed being here, and uh, just meeting some of you through the services has been an incredible, incredible joy. I love your city. I don't think I'm going to, I don't want to leave. I'm going to, yeah, <laughs> you're going to have to force me to leave. I'm not going, <laughs> because... Uh, well, it's, uh, it's just such, such a lovely place, and you guys are lovely people, so uh, it's, it's, it's great to be here. I'm going to read a few, a uh, number of verses from the book of Joshua, chapter, uh, chapter 6. I'm going to read actually from 5 into 6. Uh, if you want to follow me, it's from Joshua, chapter 5. I'm going to read from verse uh, 13. It says, When Joshua was by Jericho, he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing there with him with his drawn sword in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? And he said, No, but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. Now I have come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshipped and said to him, What does my master say to his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army said to Joshua, Take off your sandals from your feet for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Now Jericho was shut up inside and outside because of the people of Israel. None went out and none came in. 
And the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have given Jericho into your hand with its king and mighty men of valor. And you shall march around the city, all men of war, going around the city once. Thus shall you do for six days. Seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. And on the seventh day, you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And when they make a long blast with the ram's horns, when you hear the sound of the trumpets, then all the people shall shout a great shout. And then verse 10, But Joshua commanded the people, You shall not shout or make your voice heard, neither shall any word go out from your mouth until the day that I tell you to shout, then you shall shout. Verse 20, And so the people shouted, and the trumpets were blown. As soon as the people heard the sound of the trumpets, the people shouted a great shout. And the wall fell down flat, so every man, man straight before him, uh, went straight before him, and they captured the city, and they devoted all the city to destruction. Well, um, I, we had, uh, like I say, we had um, Pastor Greg with us um, recently, and uh, he preached a just wonderful sermon, and I was just so thrilled, and the congregation was so blessed, you know. And uh, now, when you're a preacher, you 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 just a visiting preacher, okay? You you just need the people to like you early on, okay? It uh, it helps a lot, you know. So you you just find out what you need to do. To, well, one of the best things you could do is just show them a bit about your family. So this is my family up here, and um, yeah, you see, I've been gauging this thing. Your your when he came. And he put the photograph of his, he's got this photograph, right, of his 10, of his, of his grandchildren. And that, I saw it the night before, before we went to the church when he showed it. It was just so unbelievably beautiful. On the day when he was preaching with us, he put the photograph up. I'm not joking. The whole, the whole congregation went, oh. <laughs> they did. Everybody went, oh, you could feel the, which I, which I was happy, but, you know, I'm thinking, I show you guys stuff. You never, you never go quite like that, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I show them things about myself and my family. They just go, oh, that'll be fun. <laughs> you know, and I noticed when I put my family up now, only about six people max went, oh. <laughs> so we did better for your guy, and then you just went, oh, about my family. About my family, it's been duly noted. Uh, and it's, uh, I mean, it's clear to me that maybe I'll never get that kind of awe with my family. So I'm going to take a photograph of his grandchildren with me anywhere I go to preach. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't matter wherever I'm going to preach. It could be Africa. I'll just say, uh, uh, and I got some photographs for you. It will go up. Everybody will go, oh. And I'll be, I got you. You know. You know, and uh, how are you related to these children? Uh, mind your own business. <laughs> um, let me pray and let me share some things with you. Father, thank you for your word, for your eternal word. Thy word, O oh God, is forever settled in heaven. Nothing is to be adjusted or tweaked about it. It's solid. And so, Father, we come to the word. We don't stand above it. We bow down to it. 
and we pray that it's your word that will come forth today. May it penetrate hearts. May it prophetically shift situations in people's lives and minds that at the end of it, we all be edified and Jesus glorified in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let me quote you a verse from the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 2, verse 8 says this. Those who pay regard to vain idols, they forsake their hope of steadfast love. But I, with the voice of thanksgiving, will pay homage to you. For that which I have vowed I will make good, salvation belongs to the Lord. Those who pay regard to vain idols, they forsake their hope of steadfast love. The Bible calls the God we serve the living God. There's a reason for that. He's called the living God because he acts, he moves, he is involved with humanity. He doesn't, he's not just an idol, stayed and dead. My son, one of my sons, the other day, driving out of one of the shops we were in, and uh, we're just him and I, we came out, and uh, he's a teenager now, but uh, we're driving out, and he's laughing. And I said, uh, oh, everything okay? He said, no, it's okay, Dad, just, just laughing. No, now I really do want to know why are you laughing. <laughs> he said, you know that machine we just walked past, there's a machine in the store. He told me this story. When he was like seven years old, he had gone to that very same store, now, you know that with kids, kids, you know, he had a two-pound coin, and kids like to change the one coin into like, you know, 20, 10p pieces, because it makes them feel richer, you know, it's the same thing, but it makes them feel, and he took this two-pound coin, he went to this machine, and he put it in, because he was going to, you know, give you change, and he was looking forward to having this bag of money. He put it in, little boy now, looking up, put it in, and nothing happened. This, this is fairly devastating for a kid, you know. <laughs> so he, with all intentionality and intensity, he presses buttons, any buttons, just because now everything has gone from I'm going to feel richer to even what I had I've lost. So he pr presses everything and, and the machine just stands there, cold, stayed, static, unyielding, silent. He's staring at this thing. Nothing happens. And he's half devastated by now. When he reads it a little closer, this is not a machine to give you change. This is a, mach a machine for, if ever you travel abroad or something and you have coins you don't want, you dump them here. <laughs> here we are in the car many years later. He said, you know, Dad, I, I never told anyone that story. He said that that day I walked home slowly <laughs> on the day it happened to him. And I think I'm referencing that story for you this morning because the God of the Bible is not like that machine that you give to, you give your life to, but nothing happens. That is not the God of the Bible. Those who pay regard to vain idols, they forsake their hope of steadfast love. But if you have given your life to a God who the Bible calls the living God, who has no equal, who is mighty and majestic, and he alone is awesome, then you can be rest assured 
that he can be spoken to, contacted. He can be interacted with. You, relationships can be built with him. And therefore, deliverance can come. Because if the Bible is about anything, the gospel is a gospel of deliverance. It's about a God who delivers people and having delivered them, he redeems them and makes them into what he always intended for them to be. And there's no better story in the Bible to depict that than the story of the Israelites. That having messed up with God and gone their own way, each man doing what is right in his own eyes, they end up in Egypt and they end up as slaves, those who ought to be sons. And God came down to deliver them. In delivering them, he took them from darkness into light. He took them from being slaves that made them sons. He took them from being just a motley crew of people who had no future, didn't know what they were about, completely confused. And he brought them out and made them into festal array to become his people for his glory. But the way that he did all that is this. Number one, listen, he delivered them by miracles. There they are in Egypt. He's wanting to deliver them because he's a faithful God. Because whenever you are in difficulties, even, listen, when, even when you're faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot deny himself. The Bible says that, Timothy. He is faithful to them. 400 years later, he sends Moses there. And in sending Moses, Moses goes to Egypt and Moses goes to Pharaoh. And he says, the God of heaven says, let my people go. And you know the story of Pharaoh says, no. Are you sure you want to say that, Pharaoh? He says, no. And you know, it would have been easy for Pharaoh to say no. Because when you have a guy like Moses, Moses, Moses did amazing things in the scriptures. And I'm an incredible leader. One of the best leaders who ever walked on the face of this planet. But he was not, I don't think for one second he would have been a very impressive looking guy. We think about these people like they would have been like that. Like he went to Pharaoh and said, the God of heaven said, let my people go. <laughs> yeah, you know. He wouldn't have done it that way. For a start, he didn't speak English. So he wouldn't have done it. <laughs> because the thing with Moses is when God called him, he said, I, I, I love you, Lord, but I can't do this job. Why not? He said, I, I just can't. Why not? Because I stutter. I, I can't speak properly. You know, and when you have certain kind of impediments or deficiencies in your life, you become so conscious of it. God says, I'll be with you. He said, but I can't speak, God. God said, well, you know, when I said I'll be with you, I kind of mean I'll be with your mouth. So I'll be with you and with your mouth. <laughs> and he says to God, you know, I'm just not sure. And then God says, okay, put your hand in here. He puts his hand in and his hand becomes leprous. He's like, oh, no, oh, no. God says, put it back and everything is healed. And in a moment, he's, you, you would be like, that's okay, God, I trust you. Not Moses. After all of that stuff and, you know, staff turning into snakes and all this, he says to God, I'm not sure about this. <laughs> I can't speak. I can't speak. So God said, you know what? Get Aaron. I'll speak to Aaron. He'll speak to you. I'll speak to you. But we'll have to do it that way. There's something about the grace of a mighty, benevolent God in all of that story. That irrespective of who you are or where you are or your deficiencies, he is happy to work with you and help you build a walk around, do whatever, because he is keen to make you into who he intended from the beginning. He sends him, and Moses goes to Pharaoh. He did not say, God of heaven. He said, God, 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 God
if you were Pharaoh, you'd be like, say, say that again. <laughs> say it again. Go, 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 go. Stop. The, the answer is no. But the God who sent Moses was also with Moses. So that water was turned into blood. Locusts and lies, plague after plague, one after the other. And the Israelites who were slaves, are, they are saved from these horrible things happening. But the camp of Israel, terrible things happen. Darkness, the Bible says. said it was so dark. Darkness such as you could feel the darkness. Numbers 10, 21. You could feel the darkness. Deuteronomy 10, 21. You could feel, you could, you could almost touch it. So much so that for three days, people sat still. You couldn't move. And we call cheeseburgers awesome. Only God is awesome. <laughs> Can you say amen to that? Amen. Even though I have had one or two of your burgers, and I got to say, it's, it's, it's <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're pretty impressive. But when it comes to awe, when it comes to shock, come to the Bible. He delivered them by miracles. Not just that. He destined them by promises. Because in Exodus chapter 6, God is speaking. And from the very beginning, he's wanting them to know what kind of God he is. And he says, speak to them and tell them this. He says, I will remove you from under this burden. I will redeem you with my outstretched arm. I will take you away from the slavery. I will make you a people. I will be your God. I will bring you to a land that I promised to your fathers. I will give it to you as a possession. Seven times God is saying, I will, I will, I will. You get the idea that the Almighty is completely committed to these people. And it's frankly entering into a marriage deal with them as it were. You will be my people. I will be your God. He delivered them by miracles. He destined them by promises, by promises, by promises. And there's no way he's going to let any one of those promises fall to the ground. Because, you see, he is God. Not just that. He sustained them by amazing supernatural events. They were sustained by the supernatural. Delivered by miracles. Destined by promises. Sustained by the supernatural. How else would you explain it? They come out of Egypt singing to God, having been delivered. Who is like unto thee, O God, among the God who is like unto thee. Glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, and always doing wonders. They had seen all the wonders that God had done. So to leave is a good deal, except now they come to the Red Sea. And when they get to the Red Sea, it's like, uh-oh. But of course, you know, you, when you've had a leader like Moses and it's been one miracle after another, you don't kind of bother too much. You're like, Moses, you're the man. Do it. Uh, you know, Moses is a typical leader. He knows God has sent him, but he doesn't know the full details of this thing. He's feeling his way through, actually. And people are like, oh, stop it, Moses. You come here acting like you don't know what to do. You know what to do. And the whole, time, the whole time Moses, Moses really doesn't know. And God, God, God says to him, you know, what, what is that in your hand? He says, a staff, and God just you know, points, points that. So he, he, he points it. And the Red Sea opens up. Let me say something here real quickly. 
You know, when you pointed and the Red Sea opens up and the whole of Israel is behind you saying, go Moses, go Moses, you're the man. <laughs> you know, as Moses and you turn to them and say, no, I, I, it wasn't really me. I didn't do anything. I was like, oh, stop it. We know you're the man. You're the man. Yeah, go Moses. Somehow, you know you're connected to this thing, but you know the power source is elsewhere. God honored that moment that he pointed. The water was like, do, 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 do. Just came upon. And they walked on dry, on dry land. I mean, God would have had to attar that thing in a hurry. For them to walk inside it. Not just that. Walking right through this with vertical water on either side. And two million people walking through. I would have loved to have stood and watched this. Just to watch it would have been awesome and scary at the same time. They are meeting with the God of heaven in all his power and all his might and all his ability and all his love. Walking right through it. They're doing nothing. They're, they've done nothing. They haven't qualified. There's something about the gospel here. They haven't qualified for anything. It's just God's love towards them. Here you are walking. I mean, the fishes are in there. Dolphins and whales. And, you know, oh, you're just walking through. You think, I like this. This is like being on holidays. You fancy a drink? I fancy a drink. <laughs> All of this, right through the race. He, he, he sustained them the whole time by the supernatural. He gave them manna from heaven, food. 40 years, the longest miracle in the Bible. 40 years he fed them, morning and evening. Think about that. 40, if ever there was an amazing dream center, it's walking with God. 40 years he fed them. He took care of them. He loved them. In the morning, you wake up, breakfast is there. In the evening, it's there. Which is why, you know, when they were going to enter the promised land, God, God changed situations a bit because it's possible for people to get spoiled after a while. But he fed them. He gave them water that came out of a rock when they were thirsty. Water that came out of a rock. He, he doesn't say, so they dug a well and alas, they hit some water. Water came out of a rock. So that nobody can say, oh, well, they, they got lucky. They hit a water plane. No, no, it's a rock. How much squeezing of a rock do you have to do for water to come out? This is a miracle. And the Bible says, Psalm 140, it gushed out. They didn't just trickle out and everybody waiting. No, 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 no. It's just flowing. Their slippers never wore out. Their clothes never wore out. I don't think they suddenly decided. I, I, how did they realize their slippers are not wearing out? I think they're sitting down talking one day and, you know, I've had these shoes for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've had it for a while. I tell you, it, it looked just like new. It looked just, see, you know, it's funny you say, I've had, I've had this shirt for like, for, like, for like forever. Is it me or are things just not, nothing is going old around here. In the New Testament, Jesus will say this, even the hair on your head, he knows all about it. He cares. He took care of them. They had GPS, as it were, the satellite navigation system you have in your car. Look, God was in that deal way before anybody else. <laughs> yeah, because he had pillar of fire in the sky for them at night, and they had clouds to navigate and show them the way they're going by day. I mean, they, they were taken care of by the, they were sustained by the supernatural. And yet the Bible would say this. That's sad to say, 1 Corinthians 10 says, and yet God was not pleased with these people. 
Why was God not pleased? Because they didn't believe his promises. They had a way of having seen all of that. You would think you would never forget any of this. Oh, no, they, they forgot. It says in Psalm 106, three or four times, said, but they soon forgot God. Their father, they turned back. And so God was not pleased with them. So that by the time we come to the book of Joshua, what we're reading here is another generation. It's another generation. Moses by now is dead, uh, Joshua chapter 1, Moses my servant is dead, and God calls Joshua and says, you Joshua shall lead these people to possess all of these lands. You will lead them. And it says to Joshua, now be strong and courageous, Joshua 1.6. Be strong and courageous, Joshua 1 says. Be strong and very courageous, Joshua 1.9. When God comes to you and says this thing three times, the first time you're like, yes Lord, be strong. Yeah, like a soldier, yeah. Second time, God said, be stronger. Yes, I will be. By third time, when he said, I want you to be very strong and courageous. You, by now you're thinking, what do you have in mind, Lord? You're scaring me. <laughs> well, he has an incredible destiny in mind. Let me tell you something. Salvation goes beyond a destination into a destiny. It's not just about being saved. It's about becoming completely redeemed so that you become, if I could put it this way, the extension of the Almighty here on the earth to do good. It's not just about being saved. Where I will, nobody would ever demise or relegate salvation. But there is a destiny beyond a destination. It's a destiny that opens up. And then the Bible says this same generation, yes, they went through the Jordan and God did amazing miracles. Yes, they did some amazing things. But then it says, chapter 6, and then came Jericho. It's a war. Then came Jericho. Jericho, the mighty wall, that, the wall of Jericho, that city where you could not break this thing. It was built to be impregnable. It was built that nobody could even could come into it in any way at all. Solid, concretized, stratified, calcified, cannot shift. And I want to suggest to you that at some point, if you're going to walk with this God... The whole way, at some point, we all hit Jerichos in our lives. And it's different for different people. I've met pastors who have walked with God righteously. And sometimes a certain kind of illness hits somebody in the family. It's a Jericho. And it has to be overcome. For some people, it's physical illnesses. A Jericho. Because you think that, oh, this would be good. And when you believe in a God who, is, who, who heals, then you're kind of praying to him and trusting him. But over time, there can be a weariness that can come and a tiredness that can sit in. For some people, it's emotions, emotional situations. It's fears, fear of man, fear of the future, fear of the past. For some people, it's guilt, just can't able to shake off this guilt or something that happened all the way, way in the past. You've read the scripture, but somehow it's still there. And over time, it has a wearing down effect, says in the Old Testament uh, book of Exodus. says, uh, And Moses' hands grew weary. He was doing God's work and he was supposed to hold up his hand, but his hands just grew weary. And that can happen sometimes. 
all of these things become Jericho's, situations in our mind, mental things, thoughts that fill the mind until it's like a cesspool of sewage where you don't know how to get rid of this thing. You know it's sinful, but there it is. And it becomes something of a Jericho. How does one handle a Jericho? Because some Christians get to a Jericho and think, oh, this is it. I'll just climb it myself. I'll just... Listen, it's not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That there are so many things we try to do by our own strategy and calculations and the pragmatics of life, which will work something for a while, but you get to a point where Jericho's are never overcome by your own hands. Some people, they hit the Jericho, they try again. They hit the Jericho, they try again. They, they, God, would you help me? Would you? And nothing seems to be shifting. And they have a tendency to just, over time, slowly, they backslide. Even, very, even worse, they kind of turn around and they want to go back to Egypt. Saying, oh yeah, I remember the cucumbers and the leeks in Egypt. And they go back. Think that doesn't happen that hard? That does happen sometimes. But for, the, for most Christians, though, they've come too far with this God. They've seen red seas open. They've seen his hand. They've seen his faithfulness. They're not going to go back. But then they can't go forward. So they camp base. They just camp up at the base of Jericho. And they learn to live in Jericho. And they learn to just stay there forever. And sometimes the danger of overly building a theology that just makes it okay. That's a big thing I just said. The tendency sometimes to build a theology that makes it okay. Now, if you're going to walk with Jesus Christ, there will be suffering. He said that even. In this world, you will have trouble. Nonetheless, though, I have overcome. That there is an overcoming still that he is wanting to happen in your life. How does one then overcome Jericho's? Let me move real quickly here. Number one, acknowledge God afresh. Acknowledge God afresh. It says when Joshua woke up that morning, he woke up and he saw a soldier with a drawn sword in his hand. This was not some pygmy kind of a weak soldier. This is something strong. Somebody strong with a drawn sword, his posture of readiness to fight. And Joshua, who is a military guy, he sees this and realizes we, there's no way we can beat this thing. That what would you do waking up and seeing something so big, so huge? With a drawn sword. What would you do? I love what Joshua did. Gingerly walked up and said, excuse me, sir. Are you for us or are you against us? <laughs> Very wise indeed. Very wise. Well done, Joshua. That's Because that's, that, that really matters, doesn't it? Because if he is on your side, then... This is good. If he's not on your side, it's game over. <laughs> Are you on our side or, on, or not? I told the story earlier on. My children, when they were real young, five years, four years or something like that, were in the car on the interstate, as it were, and were driving. And on the other side, there are tanks there, you know, driving the other way, uh, military tanks, you know. And, uh, you know, with, uh, you know, boys, this can be such an impressive thing to see. And uh, even me, I'm trying to be a big dad. Yeah, you know, your boys, you've got to make them boys. Hey, boys, look at the tank. They see the tank. Hey, we're all shouting in the car, you know. And uh, we're having a good bonding kind of time. Yeah, shout out. And this is all the lovely. It, it suddenly dawned on me. 
They are all tanks, aren't they? <laughs> are, are, are they all tanks? They better, are they all? Because there's nothing worse than being invaded and you applaud as you've been invaded. <laughs> that would be terrible, you know. Joshua says, are you on our side or not? He says, no. Okay, that wasn't helpful. Let me ask again. Are you on our side or not? He says, listen, I come from God. I'm the leader, the commander of God's army. Now I have come. The point is this, I've come to take over, Joshua. To which Joshua does the right thing. He's told, take off your sandals. The place where you are is holy. It's holy. The point is this, the God that you serve, you need to see him again. Not just in the same old way where the tendency is to just do things routinely. You know, I'll live nice. I'll pay my taxes. I won't sleep in the wrong bed. I won't do anything bad. I'll just... God is way more than that. To see him in his majesty, in his grandeur, in his wonder-working ways. To see him for who he really is. To look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. To keep looking unto Jesus and never give up or give in or break down. Joshua sees that that's what you and I have to do to overcome Jericho's. You don't look to yourself to say, I'll work harder. You don't look to Jericho, it will scare you. You look to Jesus Christ. They look to him and they were, they, they look, those who look to him are radiant and they are never ashamed. Psalm 34 verse 5. They're never ashamed. This God is trustworthy. Can you say amen to that? Amen. This God is trustworthy. Can you shout amen to that? He really is. Nobody says this better than C.H. Spurgeon. And Spurgeon, I had a quote, Spurgeon quote I wanted to bring to you. He asked the question, he said, can you trust him with your soul's redemption and not trust him for lesser things? Really? Can you trust him with your soul's redemption and not for lesser things? Can you, can you really trust this? Can you give your life to him and not trust him for the everyday issues of life? Is his hand too wary? His heart, is there no, not enough love there for you? If so, he says, then seek another God. If his all-sufficiency is too narrow for you, go and seek another God. But if he is all-faithful, all-loving, all-powerful, then why would you seek abroad looking for another confidence? Why would you rake the earth looking for another foundation? Jesus is sufficient for you. Can you say amen to that? Amen. He is sufficient for you. You have to acknowledge God for who he is, afresh. Secondly, you have to walk by faith. You have to walk by faith again. Well, you came into this thing by faith, but you have to continue because the walk can become dulled off over time. You have to do it all over again. When Joshua said to the people, we're going to go to war, we're go, we're got, we have to, this wall is incredible, it's formidable, it's impregnable. Uh, the way we're going to overcome this is now. Remember now, Joshua is a new leader. Okay, his life, is just, his life is hard for a new leader. Uh, would you want to take over from Moses? Moses was an incredible leader. Things opening up all over the place. I mean, one time somebody spoke to Moses unkindly and God put leprosy on her. And Moses had to plead with God, please, please would you change this situation? And God came to that woman, Miriam, and said to her, Miriam, I've got to tell you something. 
Yes, you're a prophetess, but, but not like Moses. When I speak to prophets, I speak to them like this. When it comes to Moses, I speak to him face to face. He is special to me. Imagine God coming on behalf of a person that now you're going to take over from that leader. People are going to be looking at you thinking, hmm, does he have what it takes? Does he have what it takes? Well, this Joshua comes and he comes. Now, when you're a new leader, you've got to make sure your, your first few decisions, they've got to be, you know, winsome ones. How are we going to take over this, break down this Jericho? Joshua says, um, yeah, the way we're going to do it, we're going to send in the, the choir. <laughs> this is not helpful, Joshua. I can see his committee behind him. Joshua, shh, come on, come on. Come on. That's not how it's done. That's not how Moses will have done it. He said, no, no, we're going to send in the choir. And he's doing what God told him. And you just know people are going to be in that congregation thinking, did, 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 <laughs> you make us laugh, Joshua. For a second there, we thought you said the choir. <laughs> he said, oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're sending the choir. The choir? The choir? Those young kids in skinny jeans, we're going to send them out? We cannot send them out. We need older men with flared trousers with guns. That's what we need. <laughs> Skinny jeans and guitars is not going to work here. <laughs> Except it did. Joshua said to them, that's what we're going to do. Get the choir, get the army, get the priests, carry the ark. We're going to walk around. Most people will follow on day one. This is the thing I'm trying to say to you. When it comes to walking by faith, you have to go the whole way, not just part of the way. On day one, most people are like, yeah, we're, 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 we're people of faith. We're on the journey. Yeah, we're following our leaders. We love our leaders. We love, and we love Joshua. My gosh, he's bright. He's in Joshua. Yes, he is. Yeah. Well, you know what? That's day one. People say that on day one. By day two, they're like, um, uh, you know this thing about Joshua? This walking around? He has a plan. Joshua is the man with the plan. He's a good old chip of the old block and all this stuff. And, uh, yeah, fine. Okay. Day three, they're like, not much talking. Just silence. Oh, you seem quiet today. No, 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 no. I'm just, uh, I'm just, I'm reflecting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, ref I, I'm, I'm pondering. I'm also wondering. <laughs> it goes around. On day four, he says, you know, the thing about me is, you know me, I am not one to complain. <laughs> well, Whenever people say that, it's some, when I first came to England, you know, people would say things like, uh, uh, a topic, can we have a word? Now, in England, a word is not a good thing. <laughs> okay, when they say, can we have a word? It, it, uh, when they first say a word, I'll be like, yeah, sure, a word. And I, wait, and I walk out like this. <laughs> yeah, a word. When people say, you know, you know me, I'm not, I'm not one to complain. I'm not one to complain. Oh, really? Well, don't then. No, no, no. <laughs> I'm not one to complain, but we've been walking around this thing for three days now. I don't, you know, I don't see a crack on the wall. I don't see nothing, you know. I, so I'm not complaining. I'm just asking the questions. I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just saying everybody in the camp is wondering. How do you, nobody in the camp is wondering. Your own insecurities. Well, I, I'm, 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 just, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Yeah, that's By day five, beginning to say, you know what? What are we doing? This isn't working. And this guy Joshua anyway. 
Whoever, who even said this guy has what it takes? By day six, you know what they're saying? We're leaving. And people who leave on day six never see the miracle on day seven. They miss out. You know how awkward life becomes for them when later on they hear that the walls really did come down. And God really did do it. And faith is risen in the people of God. They feel awkward. They feel we should have stayed. But they never can say it. And, and it becomes a hard life for them. They missed out on the mighty miracle. Because they left too early. Because you see, there are faith killers. Between stage, day one and day seven, there are faith killers. And they're written there for you. And I, because of time, I won't go through them. But negativism is one of them. There are just some people that are so negative. Is that, is that true? Yes. Oh, you, you, you know what? You are Christian, and I'm a Christian, and I'm telling you, you cannot fool me. There are negative Christians around. <laughs> There's some people, it doesn't matter how fantastic everything is, they'll find something negative to say. They'll, you know what? It's a gift for them. <laughs> it's a, you can tell them, you know what? A guy came in the first service. He had no head. Okay. He had legs, he had a torso, he had no head. Came, sat in the front row. And Pastor Greg, he's just doing the welcome and greeting people. And God grew a head on this guy with hair and everything. Amazing miracle. And they'll be like, you mean the ushers let someone into the sanctuary without a head? <laughs> did you not hear what I said? God did an amazing thing. Yes, you know, but I think that kind of thing could scare people. We know we need to be careful. We need some people are, they always project to the worst case scenario or criticism. The, the, the disposition to always, people, you, you know those kinds of people. They have a tendency and it's, it's deep in their lives and sometimes they cannot easily get this thing out or, or, or free themselves from it. The tendency to just always project to the incomplete or to the imperfect. You could paint a wall five miles long. You missed a little bit, that's all they're going to see. You missed a bit. That's hard, which I might say to you parents, don't ever do that to your kids because that damages them. Or skepticism, to always question but never commit. Or cynicism, to see any human enterprise as selfishly motivated. No matter what people do, that is good. You think, hmm, I wonder what's behind it. And nothing is behind it. The problem is you, your, your heart has become contorted and soiled with negativism and all these faith killers. And that you may win arguments with people, but you move no ounce with God. Oh, there's a way to walk with God. You have to acknowledge him for who he is, how grand he is. And then you need to walk by faith. And lastly, you need to obey the last command. You need to obey the last command. The last command to them was shout. Shouting is a good thing. When it's done in faith, it becomes a powerful response. Shout to the good thing. So many times the Bible tells us, shout to God with a voice of triumph. That's what they did. They shouted and the walls came down flat. But you have to obey the last command. I shared with you earlier on about the Red Sea where Moses is there and Moses doesn't know what to do. And he says to God, what shall I do? And God says, tell the people to Go forward. Go back and read in Exodus. Tell them to go forward. There's, there's, there's no forward to go to, Lord. 
Are you, are you sure about this? Tell them to go forward. As a little kid growing up in Nigeria, first time that I saw the automatic glass doors that just open, it's everywhere these days. We don't even think about it. Our children grow up thinking that's what doors do. Well, you know, me growing up, that was like, it was like a miracle and a ma- just, huh, it opened. <laughs> and as a kid, you go, you go, huh? You go back again. Huh? You go back. And you spend days and weeks thinking, how does that door know I'm coming? How does it know? But as you grow up over time, you realize when well, you're carrying stuff, you, you know, you're walking now, you're a teenager, you're grown up. You don't look at that door thinking, oh, how am I going to open that door? You know, you just keep going. You just keep going and it parts. You know that that's how it works. God said to them, I know you're on the brink. Go forward. This is how faith works. Most of us will have said, no, Lord, uh, we have a different idea. We've been speaking to the committee. We have a focus group. And our suggestion is you part the Red Sea first, then we'll go forward. (laughs) God says, it never works like that in this kingdom. You trust me? Yes, Lord. You trust me? Yes. Go forward. Faith always requires an action. You have to step forward. When God says he is committed, the waters open, they worship God with their waves, and you get to walk in the middle of a miracle. This is how it is. This is how it is. Joshua actually says it in verse 7 of chapter 6, go forward. And I want to say that to you as I come to a conclusion. Where are you at? We all have Jerichos. Where are you at? For different ones of us, it will be different things. I'm going to read this verse and then close in prayer. This is taken from Isaiah chapter 45, verse 18 says, For thus says the Lord who created the heavens, he is God, who formed the earth and made it. He established it. He did not create it empty. He formed it to inhabit it. He says, I am the Lord and there is no other. I did not speak in secret in lands of darkness. I did not say to the offspring of Jacob, seek me in vain. God says, I didn't say to you, pray in vain. When I said to you, call upon me, I had intentions in mind. When I said to you, come back to me, I had, I had good things in mind. I never call people to seek me in vain. Never. So that whether you've been weary from the illnesses that have worn you down, the fears about your children that may have gone astray and things not going right, situations in your life that have become so contorted and so twined up you don't know what to do, you just need to know there is a God who says, call upon me and I will answer and I will show you great and mighty things that you never even dreamed of. Dreamed of. You don't have to live at the base of Jericho. It can come down. Father, we thank you for this day. I thank you. I thank you for people whose hearts are open. Thank you for the presence of the Spirit in this place. Thank you for the amazing way we were led today in worship. Thank you, Father, that you are a mighty God. Present yourself to us as a benevolent Savior. Thank you for your goodness and for your mercy. Thank you for your care and for your love. And now, Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters, wherever the Jerichos are, that you would manifest yourself. And you will blow from heaven and shatter the Jerichos that life may come back and pace and strides may be taken forward to the next level of life. All of it, Father, not just for our benefit, but for your glory, that you be glorified in all the earth in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen.